Welcome back to another episode of the Transform Your Life podcast. I'm Angela Hauk, founder of the international online coaching business, Team Ange. I'm an expert in building muscle and losing fat, a natural figure and fitness pro athlete with the UFE, and a lover of everything personal development. I'm a mom, a businesswoman. Most days, I just feel like a hot mess trying to keep it all together. I spent the first two decades of my life overweight, tired, hating vegetables, and living off Pepsi. I got sick and tired of feeling tired every day and decided to transform my life. This fitness and nutrition podcast is dedicated to educating and empowering listeners on all things training, nutrition, and personal development. I'm on a mission to help you improve your body, achieve your goals, live a confident and fulfilled life stepping into your full potential. So let's help you transform physically and mentally to a person that's been hiding underneath all along. Let's do it. What's up, guys? Thanks for joining me for another episode of the Transform Your Life podcast. Today, I sat down with Sean Everingham, and we are talking all about steroids. So some of you guys may know, but I am a natural competitor, and I'm proud to be a natural competitor. Uh, Steroids are not something that I would ever choose to use personally. So today's conversation is all about the ins and outs of steroids and what they're all about, just so that you guys can make a well-informed decision if it ever comes up for you. So Sean Everingham began his career in the fitness industry over 15 years ago as a personal trainer. Since that time, he has trained countless competitors for the stage in many different organizations and across three countries. To this day, he still loves working with contest prep clients and trains people in Mississauga, Hamilton, and online through Elite Physique Coach. His passion for the fitness industry led him to create Ultimate Fitness Events, the UFE, in 2007. What began as a single local fitness event in Hamilton has grown to become one of the largest natural fitness and bodybuilding organizations in the world with events in Canada, USA, the UK, India, and Australia. Each year, the UFE brings together the very best competitors from all around the world at the UFE World Pro Championships in Toronto, and that is the show that I will be doing in November. So, what did Sean and I talk about? We got to talk all about anabolic steroids, what they are, the common ones that are around. We talked about both the positive and the negative side effects of using them and why people may use them. We talk about how people try to cheat the system, the problems with organizations who claim that they're natural, but they don't actually test their athletes properly, and how the UFE is different in their testing. We talk about the red flags that all competitors should be leery of, and what happens after your body after you come off steroids. Here we go. We're going to get into this. My interview with Sean Everingham, the owner of the UFE. Let's do it. Hey, Sean. Welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Ange. Thank you. Fantastic. Well, I'm certainly very appreciative that you took the time to come on to today's episode. And why don't you tell our audience a little bit more about who you are and what in the world you do? Sure. I am um, first and foremost a uh, fitness enthusiast. So um, I started my own personal journey with a transformation and uh, it led me to um, competition and training others. And to this day, I do it. So more than 15 years later. Um, and I also parlayed that into starting my own uh, fitness business, Ultimate Fitness Events. We put on shows. Uh, it started with one show in, in Hamilton. Now we've got shows around the world and um, over a thousand competitors join us each year for these events. So 
I'm kind of living my dream right now. I'm getting, to, you know, to train people and change their lives. And we're getting to put on this, this forum for people to join us on stage and, and showcase natural, healthy bodies. Mm-hmm. Now, Sean, I'm just curious, what made you want to start the organization? Were you seeing particular problems in the industry or where did that inspiration come from for you? Um, yeah, it might not be the answer you're expecting, but I, I, I actually got into um, doing fitness competitions myself. So uh, at that time, Muscle Mania uh, was in the country and it did very, it did very well. I loved the production of it. It was so fun. They had TSN broadcasts of the show. Like it was such an incredible experience. I met so many great friends um, and it was so motivational for my goal. Um, l- luckily, this was the first organization I found, which was natural and, and just being in that, that environment, you know, inspired me to be a natural athlete. Um, the people who were running the organization at the time uh, so basically, I, I did my competitions, but then I started bringing more and more and more people into uh, competitions because I just thought it was such an amazing way to stay motivated, um, to push yourself. Like, you know, kids have all these different sports outlets they can do, but, you know, adults adults still have that desire to compete and push themselves. Uh, so I used to bring huge teams to uh, this organization, and then it kind of parlayed into me being one of their main event directors. So they just asked me if I would run a show. I actually started the Halloween Mayhem show with them in 2005. Um, it was a big success, and they asked me to tour around uh, the world, helping them with their events. That organization actually kind of uh, they fell to the wayside. So by 2006, I decided that would be my last event with them. And, uh, but I didn't, I didn't want to give this up. Like I I just enjoyed putting on these shows. I enjoyed meeting the people. I enjoyed the energy. Um, so that, that's when I decided, you know, I can't give this up. I'm going to use my, my contacts and, and, you know, kind of the reputation I had built to start UFE. Mm, I love that. And then from there, you started the organization and you decided, okay, we're going to start this natural organization and kind of see it grow. Now, I'm curious, when you first started, did you always envision that it would kind of get to where it is right now, where it's on an international stage? Or how did you kind of envision the UFE growing over time? It's funny because I, 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 I don't even know um, if I did necessarily have this vision for it to become a worldwide organization. Uh, I, I think I was just focused on that singular event first. Um, when it got big, we happened to get a few sponsors on board that wanted us to, to grow bigger. Um, so they helped fund our growth. Uh, we grew to three events in Ontario. Then we decided to do a championship event. And I think it was in, in 2011 where we, where we just saw people starting to ask, like, they're, they're like, these events are so much fun to be a part of. It's like nothing we've done before. We've tried other organizations. It's not like this. Um, you know, you should bring your events here or here or here. So um, the first time we actually parlayed outside uh, Ontario was, was going to uh, Michigan. So we had a competitor there who had done I think every, uh, every event we had put on and she just loved it so much. And, and she's the one who helped us uh, bring it into Michigan. 
And then we decided to make it a, a North American phenomenon. But then we had competitors coming from the UK that are like, wow, you know what? There's nothing like this in the UK. You got to bring it over here. So, you know, it's just kind of grown on itself. It's been a really nice uh, organic growth, but it certainly didn't start with a vision for, for uh, you know, world prominence. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what would you say is the difference between an Olympia IFBB stage and the UFE World Pro Championship, Sean? Well, the IFBB, um, you know, has been around forever. They've been around since, you know, 1940s. Um, so, so they've got a lot of history. Um, they've got a lot of prestige, mainly because of, you know, your, your Arnold Schwarzenegger and Lou Fregno, who, who gave it that prestige. Um, you know, so, so there's some, some good points about them. They do have a good qualification system. Um, but the, the main, the main way we try and separate ourselves is that, you know, despite the, the prestige, which is great, um, and, and their qualifications, you're just not going to go anywhere with the organization, um, as a natural athlete. It's, it's just the fact of the matter. Um, so we, we wanted to be you know, we wanted to be that organization that stepped up and gave natural athletes uh, the same opportunities. Um, so, you know, our world championships, we bring competitors together from all over the world. All of them have needed to go through a qualification process. And, you know, despite our brief history, we've only been around uh, 11 years. This is our 12th year. Um, we're really making inroads on, on you know, the prestige of our event, the, the number of competitors we tracked. And the number of countries joining us. Um, and then, yeah, it, like I said, our, our main point of differentiation is trying to bring that exposure and excitement and production and prestige to natural competitors, real competitors, people who want to live a healthy life and simply challenge their bodies and, and don't, don't focus on winning at every and all cost. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about anabolic steroids. First of all, let's just define what are anabolic steroids and the most common ones that people might have heard of or may not have heard of. Yeah, so anabolic steroids, um, y- you know, most people associate it with, you know, your needles. What are you going to take in through needles? But they've also got uh, oral steroids. Um, these are basically drugs um, that give you an advantage over somebody that there is no way you could get that naturally. So, you know, testosterone would be um, your number one, your number one steroid that people have heard about. There's testosterone and all kinds of different drugs that are, that are based on it. But for example, you're literally injecting several multiples of testosterone that a normal human being wouldn't have in their system. So, you know, it, it creates, incredible mass in, in your muscles, but all of them do come with risks. Um, you've also obviously got your, your fat burners that aren't necessarily considered steroids, but they're in that group that most people refer to as steroids. So you've got your clenbuterol, um, your thyroid hor- hormones, all of these help you get to an end uh, significantly faster. And in most cases, you get to a much further end than somebody could do it naturally. But at the end of the day, um, you know, every, every uh, benefit comes with a cost as well. So. Mm-hmm. 
Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the points that I really want to hammer home for people that are listening to today's episode. So you've talked about some of the positives that obviously you get to the goal quicker that you're maybe able to take your or you're most definitely able to take your physique to a place where it wouldn't be able to go naturally. But what would you say are the main negative side effects that people should consider if they're thinking about going down that route? Well, the main negatives is, is I think a lot of people get into this industry because um, sometimes it's an inner insecurity. Sometimes it's uh, like an obsessive compulsive where that they just need to constantly get better. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. Um, but what happens is, is when you get into using these drugs, you've kind of taken, um, you know, you've, you've taken things to another level you've taken your your entire psychology to a different level so i think it feeds a very bad psychology so somebody who's obsessive compulsive and they just need to get better i need to improve every year they'll take more drugs more drugs different drugs more powerful drugs somebody who's got inner insecurities maybe it's a, a woman who struggled with you know uh, weight when she was younger or a guy who felt bullied when he was younger and they just wanted to get, you know, in better shape or bigger muscles. Um, you know, once once you cross a certain threshold, it feeds your psychology in a negative way. So the psychology is one thing. Um, but when people get into these massive amounts of steroids, you know, for females, uh, T3 is a big one. You're talking about shutting down your thyroid's own ability to, you know, power its metabolism. Um, with testosterone, you're talking about shutting down your body's natural ability to produce its own testosterone. Your body has feedback systems that say, hey, you know, this isn't normal. I've got to, you know, counter this. So it'll shut off its own production. Then it'll try and get ratios more established by producing uh, estrogen. So this is when you get into the guys developing, you know, quote unquote bitch tits or your gynomastia. Um, You know, and then there's... It, it literally can lead to to death. So I, I think a lot of people have heard of uh, several prominent bodybuilders uh, that that have died taking this stuff. Um, you know, so it it isn't a joke. People can get hurt. Um, bad, very bad things can happen. Anything you know from from your psychology turning the complete wrong way to literally dying. And and it's like I said, it, it's no joke. Um, when people try and say, oh, yeah, no, steroids don't do that. Well, in large enough doses, which, you know, bodybuilding and, and fitness competition do require, and they just feed a vicious cycle, and people are learning from their buddies, they're not going to a specialized doctor, bad things often can and do happen. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And the impact that they have on your hormonal health too, right? For for women, the impact it can have on your menstrual cycle and the ability to have children. And for men, just the increased risk for prostate cancer and decreased sperm count, like it really can have a long-term impact on your hormonal cycle as well, Sean, for sure. Um, now, what about some red flags that a competitor should be leery of? Like, they're working with a trainer, the trainer comes to them and perhaps is trying to be sneaky about the use of steroids. What should uh, a competitor look out for? Yeah, this is this is the scariest thing about the industry because a lot of young people get into this and, and you know, who doesn't want to have a great body and then the days of Instagram and, 
you know, Facebook and, and, you know, we're kind of feeding our, our arrogance, conceit, or, or even just self-image, whatever it is. Um, people want to get fit. They, I can't tell you how many people think about doing a show. Um, you know, so it, it's amazing how many trainers then get a hold of these people. And it's super important to remember that there are actually a lot of trainers out there that are glorified drug dealers. And the, the whole, the, the scary thing about it is they don't come out and say, Hey, you know what? I've got some uh, stuff you can take for this show. Most people will never, you know, cop to that. The, the trainers really never talk to them like that. Hey, you know what? You look like crap. You should take some steroids. It doesn't ever happen that way, or at least very rarely. It happens that, you know, they, somebody will do a show, the trainer's taking you through the diet and the training, and you, you might do well or you might not. Let's say you do well in your first show. You do another show, you get to a, a provincial or national level, all of a sudden, you're getting your butt kicked. Um, and you try again, you try your very hardest, you get your butt kicked. And it's at that point where the competitors are talking a little bit about you know, the, the stuff they're taking and your trainer goes, yeah, yeah, you know what, you know, unfortunately to get to that level, you know, they play like they're on your side. Unfortunately, get to that level, you do need to take, you know, a little bit of something. We can start you off on this and, and bam, right there. That's, that's where they've got you. That's where they've got you. Once you cross that threshold, they've got you. And, um, it's, it's scary. It's unfortunate, um, because this industry, uh, I think you know, it was meant to be all about testing your, your real physical limits. It was about competition, camaraderie, fun, fitness. And none of that is about this. That That's the very dark side of the industry. And, and people, you know, the young people that are, you know, 18, 19, 20, you know, talking to a 30-something-year-old trainer who has all this experience, they, they succumb to those those psychological maneuvers very easily. So I think people need to be very, very aware of it. Yeah, I actually have quite a few inquiries from the state of girls that their trainers have told them that the only way that they can get lean is by taking steroids. And like, that's just simply not true, especially your bikini competitors. It's a joke. So like girls will just be like, higher body fat percentages, working with people that have no idea what they're doing. And then their trainers are trying to tell them that that's the only way to get lean. And uh, it's scary, especially for young women and young men who are vulnerable and in a position where the sport is something that they're interested in, something that they want to do well in. It can be very tempting when somebody that you look up to is saying, this is how you do it, you know? Yep. And, and yeah, let me also say like, people if if a trainer ever 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 recommends you do drugs they 100% do not care about your well-being yeah right? so if i'm a trainer i make 60 70 80 dollars an hour whatever the trainer is charging and i've got to exchange an hour of my time for 60 to 80 dollars of cash so let's understand their motivations because if I can then upsell you and say, hey, you know what, in addition to training, I can sell you this cycle and a 16 week good cycle is going to cost at least a thousand dollars. And for for guys competing at the upper echelon, 
it's it's costing in the multiple thousands of dollars. That's that's just free money coming in. That's where their motivation lies. Their motivation does 100% not lie in making you a better person. It's all about their cash and, hey, I trained somebody who got to a national level, whatever it is. So I, I think people really need to keep that in mind. These trainers, when they suggest the drugs, they are not saying that because they've got your best interests in mind. They are waiting for you to crumble so then they can sell you these drugs and, and make boatloads of money that, that they couldn't otherwise make. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, do you think there's particular ways where athletes and or their trainers try to cheat the system within natural competing? Have you seen that with your organization or just are familiar with the ways in which people try to do that? Yeah, well, uh, the problem with, um, with natural fitness, the problem that has happened is there's a lot of organizations that put themselves out there as natural and they're really not. So that, that is the huge problem. That is, that is a huge problem. So um, when UFE first started, uh, I won't point out any other organizations, but there were several organizations that would claim they're natural. There's people on whatever number of, of steroids and these people were easily competing. There was no issue at all. So then they were coming to UFE and in our first year, I'd say we busted about 12, 13 people taking steroids. Um, so it was, it was quite shocking. But I think after two, three years, people started to get um, the hint. So that's one thing. Testing methods is another. So we use urinalysis because that really is the only way to test for steroids, other than blood samples, which is you know, too invasive. Um, but a lot of organizations were saying, yeah, we test everyone for steroids and it's a lie detector. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, it's Joe Blow promoter sitting there on his computer with some voice stress analysis software that he purchased for 50 bucks. So a bunch of people are sneaking through the cracks that way. Now, even on our system, you know, I, I'm very confident we use a top lab in, in uh, the U.S. Um, with a specific sports doctor who, who, who knows all about this stuff. It is not easy to cheat the system. Because even if a molecule of this stuff is left in your system, uh, you're, you're getting caught. And, and we have caught people that thought they could time the system. So it is not easy. With that said, is it possible to time your steroids? To some degree, uh, yes. I don't think that's easy at all to do, but it does happen. Um, the other limitation with an organization like ours is when we do actually send out drug tests, it's very expensive. So unless we made everyone's entry three, four, five hundred bucks, we would not be able to afford to test everybody. So can people slip through the cracks? Yes. Um, so th those would be, I guess, the, the, the ways that people would get even through an organization um, like ours. But the, we need to balance, you know, making it a natural stage with making it um, accessible entry for as many people as possible. With that said, our system... At some shows, we'll test winners. At some shows, uh, we've got a lot of judges and even myself who are very experienced in the industry. Like we've we've seen what it looks like when somebody's using, um, you know, and we'll give them the benefit of the doubt, but we are going to test them. Um, and sometimes it's just random. Maybe sometimes it doesn't look like anybody's really using anything and it all looks legit. 
and and we'll just test a random sample. So, you know, we have been fairly effective that way, but are there ways to get through the cracks? Uh, yes, there is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Interesting. Now, do you think that there is a certain time period between the use of steroids and then competing with a natural organization that would allow that you would be good to go? So, for example, a couple of years or perhaps six months, like, could you do a cycle, say, five years ago and then go and compete naturally years down the line? Or how does that all work? I think so. Um you know, at the end of the day, even even the Olympics, who invest millions and millions and millions of dollars, you know, those athletes with their doctors and all that kind of stuff, anyone who is using, I won't say they all are, but, you know, there's obviously some, they even know that there's ways to time and beat the system. Now, in their case, they're using much more advanced uh, drugs. They've got the best doctors helping them, um, but they can't. They can't say, hey, we suspect you that you used steroids five years ago, um, you know, and, and you can never compete again. You can only you can only punish the people you catch. So if somebody did use five years ago, they certainly could make it onto our stage and they would test clean. Now, my contention would be that, you know, when somebody some people contend that when you use steroids, you gain this muscle and, and you keep it. Um, I do have a little bit of a different contention that that when the effects of steroids wear off, you do lose most, if not all, of the gains you have. So if somebody has been clean for five years, even a few years, you know, if anything, sometimes they could be putting themselves at a disadvantage because they have messed up their body's feedback system. So a guy who took, you know, a bunch of tests and he competes two years later, he's probably affected his own testosterone production. So he might have even put himself at a disadvantage. The girl who took thyroid hormone, you know, maybe she shut down her own thyroid's ability to produce that high um, level of metabolism she had before. So um, it can go either way. I don't know what theory is right. My my contention would be once it's cleared out, you've lost most of the effects that, that you otherwise would have. Um, so... Going back to your question to be a little bit more concise too is, is, you know, once it's out of your system, it's out of your system, whether this is the Olympics, whether it's a fitness competition and different steroids have different half-lives. So, you know, your oil-based steroids, uh, I believe DECA is probably one of the longest lasting ones, 18 months, and it's pretty much out of your system. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Well, thank you for providing that kind of information, Sean. That provides a lot of clarity. Now, what about the supplementation that does affect your hormones, something like an estrogen blocker or even like a progesterone cream. Should people be concerned or leery about using those kind of particular products or what are your thoughts? You know, uh, so in our drug testing, we, we not only measure whether someone, well, we not only test whether someone has been taking steroids, um, but whether their ratios are out of whack. Okay. So in, in, you know, most, most people, there's, there's a certain ratio of testosterone to estrogen you should have. So if somebody is using an estrogen blocker um, in a drug form, it will uh, mess with that ratio and it will put them out of whack and they will be flagged. So um, I would not recommend any of that. You know, some of the stuff that's you could pick up at a health store, I, I would not uh, suggest it, but I wouldn't necessarily say don't take it. You know, I, I, I don't know the effects of all these different supplements, but pretty much anything that you're taking in a drug form and in your mind, because 
Everybody knows it. They, they know when they're cheating. If you're taking this cream that can only be suggested by a doctor to somebody with some hormonal issues, people know that they're cheating. Most of those drugs, um, our tests will flag for. So uh, from the standpoint of getting caught, people should be leery. From a health consequence uh, point of view, I, I wouldn't be an expert in that. So I, I, I don't think I'd go into that territory. So would you say then that there's a difference between something that's a prescription that you would receive from your doctor versus something that you would be able to purchase over the counter at a place like GNC? Oh, cert yes, certainly. Our, our, our testing, um, you know, especially Canada. So, you know, we're based in Canada. We have shows that are otherwise, but I'm, I'm talking mainly about Canada. We do have fairly strict protocols on, on supplements. So, you know, even when it came to those pre-workouts, I don't know, six, seven years ago that had a derivative of geranium in them, you know, Health Canada was all over that and banned it. So there are pretty tight controls on that kind of stuff. Um, so, uh, you know, I wouldn't necessarily be worried about any of that stuff um, and nor would it flag any of our, our drug testing. Now, again, like delving into them deeper, could some of them be unhealthy? I don't know, um, you know, but typically if you're buying it at a health food store like a GNC or a Popeyes or any other reputable retailer, you're probably at very least in decent hands and, and you're probably not going to uh, well, I, for sure, you won't do the same kind of damage that you could do with any sort of drug. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's very interesting. I've actually, I've had some hormonal issues and been talking with a gentleman who's a functional medicine guy and we were kind of talking and going back and forth and, and, um, yeah, with me potentially competing, we were talking about the use of progesterone. Um, right now I got no hormones that are working, which is, I essentially coming off of a show, I'm not surprised by that, but we are looking to add to our family in the future. So we've just been kind of going back and forth about optimizing hormones. So it's just kind of curious for myself personally. And then I'm sure there's other people in the audience that are interested in it as well. So thank you, Sean, for, yeah. for providing you know, that. Cool. I, I will touch on something is we have, we have had men, you know, who have legitimate you know, male issues, they, they're over 40, they've got, you know, low T issues, it affects their sex life, all that kind of stuff. And, and you know, females like yourself, in, in most cases, we do not have an issue with people using those corrective hormones, because they're under the guidance of a medical professional. And the medical professional is trying to bring them into normal ranges. Yeah, the medical professional is not trying to make them a super athlete. So, you know, um, we have had one, so we've had several uh, men, for example, that have testosterone replacement therapy. They got flagged. They had a note from their doctor. They did not get flagged by the drug tests. They, they tested clean for everything. But we did have one man um, who tested a little out of range. We were able to give the doctor's note to um, our sports doctor. Uh, we basically have to pay for them to then follow up with that guy's doctors and, and get a, you know, answer a few questions. And he was able to say, you know, yes, this guy is, is legit. He's not trying to beat your system. He's not doing anything funky. So, yeah. um, in, in regards to medically supervised legitimate hormone issues, I don't think most people have um, a reason to worry, especially if their doctor will vouch for them.
Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Especially like the interesting part for me is I hadn't had blood work done in a really long time, had blood work done. And my first, my first form was um, working with a naturopath and she essentially freaked out and made me freak out because I had like non-existent hormones. They were like very low, no luteinizing hormone, like not even within range for estrogen, progesterone and testosterone. So she had never seen anything like that. And she was like, oh my goodness, this is really, really bad. And then I got some more opinions about it. And it's pretty a pretty normal blood panel for somebody who's been who's been competing in at low body fat percentage. So, yeah, there's I, it, it was just a very it's been interesting over the past couple of months, just kind of going back and forth with with multiple um, medical professionals about about it. So, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Cool. So the next thing I'm interested about is we do have a lot of competitors that listen to this podcast. And because you run an organization, I think there's something to be said about not only the physique that you present on stage, but the other part of being a competitor, which is representing the organization in a positive light. And that's kind of where I want to go next in our conversation, Sean. How can a competitor ensure that they're not only putting the best physique there, but they're also bringing in the right kind of attitude and representation for an organization? What is it that you would be looking for with potential athletes to move up the ranks? I think it's the same for any organization. So, you know, if you want to go to the highest levels in an organization, I think it's kind of a responsibility to also represent the organization well. So you can even see this with UFC, you know, these guys that, you know, beat the crap out of each other in a, in a cage, but they're going and doing, you know, events for charity with kids and all that, and then really showing a softer side. And most people say when they meet like a UFC fighter, they're the nicest people out there. Um, because UFE, or UFC, for example, does have um, protocols on how these guys conduct themselves. Now, with that said, we're not as big as a, a UFC. Um, you know, we don't have athletes making millions of dollars like these people are. Uh, but if you do want to be a representative of, of UFE, but even just the fitness industry in general, um, yeah, I do think there's a responsibility to represent yourself well. And, you know, what's an example of that? Um, one is that this is a judge sport. So, uh, is there room for disagreement? Yes, because it's it's a judge sport. There's there's no, you know, computer that says you know you you got this many points based on this exact formula. Um, it's it's you know three to five to seven people um, that are in the industry doing their very best uh, to 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 give you the right outcome. And and I know that when the outcome doesn't go someone's way, it can be very disappointing. Um, people could be going in there. They've given it their everything, everything. And they come second, third, 10th, whatever it is. Um, just keep in mind that the way you conduct yourself after the show really says a lot on how you're representing the organization. So if you go out there and say, hey, you know, uh, I, I believe this person was sleeping with a judge or this person was favored or, you know, this organization is political, you know, all this kind of stuff, it doesn't reflect well on the organization. And, and of course, it doesn't make you a great representative. So that would be the easiest example. Um, but the other is, is getting out there and, and encouraging, you know, younger people in the sport um, to join you in, in this healthy, you know, competitive outlet. Because uh, there are so many people that want to get involved in the fitness industry. 
and so many people that are turned on uh, to the root of, of drugs. But I think uh, natural competitors in, in you know, UFE and other natural organizations, um, I think can be great representatives by saying, hey, you know what? This is why I compete naturally. These are my beliefs. I'm willing to help you with anything you need and really help guide and shape and mold and mentor these people. So I'd say those are the two uh, best examples of, of being great representatives of, of the organization. And, you know, all boats kind of float to the top when that happens. So, you know, when, when you're helping an organization, more and more and more people are being drawn to that organization. It starts to have more and more and more of a voice, more powerful people. They have bigger platforms to um, express themselves on. So it helps all the people that are using that organization for leverage uh, to further themselves. So, you know, I bring up a, an example of, um, you know, even Erica Willick with her sisters in shape, um, you know, using using the platform of UFE to kind of also float her boat higher. So, you know, through her positive uh, message, she brought a lot of people to the organization, but by making us a more powerful organization, it amplified her voice in the industry. So it's not just a win for the organization, it's a win for the competitors who are representing the organization. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now let's move into a shameless plug on your side of things. So what is it that you're up to right now, Sean, and what's been lighting you up recently? What am I up to? What's been lighting me up recently? Uh, I know you're getting you know, married like me. We're uh, both getting married pretty close together. Yeah, absolutely. So congratulations to you. Yeah, same um, to you, Sean. Yeah, I'll be getting married, uh, you know, on September 8th. So pretty pumped about that. Nice. Um, I, I'm still out there uh, training people because it's it's my passion. I love training people. So uh, you can find out more about me uh, and my training at ElitePhysiqueCoach.com. I train people in Hamilton, Mississauga, and I also do online. Um, but we're always focusing on on the growth of UFE and how to make our events better and get more people involved. So uh, learn more about us at UFEShows.com. Um, one thing I'm super pumped about is we actually have a UFE India show we're working on. Um, so India, you know, the second most populous country in the world represents a huge, huge, huge opportunity because so many people are getting into fitness and bodybuilding there. Uh, so super, super excited for that, what it can do for the growth of our organization and what it can bring to the world stage for all of our athletes. So uh, those are your two main outlets to hear about me. And uh, yeah, of course, you can find me on all your social media channels too, your Instagram and Facebook and all that. Amazing. And I'll be sure to put all of that into the show notes. Now, Sean, I have to ask you one question, and this is totally sidebar, but I think we have the same birthday. Is your birthday December 8th? Oh, one day apart. One day apart. One day apart. But, but we're close. We we're seem to be on the close. same track. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because you have all of the personality traits of a Sagittarius. And I've actually noticed that from you kind of from the beginning. And it's been one of those funny trends that I've been just kind of like observing with some of the people I've been interviewing. So Lane Norton is also a Sagittarius. Christy Elizabeth, the UFE pro, is also a Sagittarius. And a bunch of some, a bunch of my successful competitors are also Sagittarius. So, what do you think is what do you think about being a Sagittarius? Kind of sets you apart with the way that you approach life. Uh, that's awesome. Um, 
That's an interesting fact. Uh, I don't uh, delve too far into astrology. Every once in a while, I see some, you know, things in a, a paper, the astrology section. Um, but I, I think, you know, I, I don't know if these are Sagittarius traits, but I'm, I'm pretty um, matter of fact. I, I like to tell it like it is. Um, and I like to do whatever I say. So whatever I, I say is going to be done, I like to, you know, make sure that gets done now. Um, does that work with all yeah. personality types? We, we don't, we don't yeah. jive with everybody because some people no. don't want to be told people things, either, so matter of factly. They either love or hate us. That's, that's kind of the way that we exist. Yeah, yeah. yeah so people I, are I, I, like, I tr- you're amazing or they're like, go die. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, no, that's fantastic. And I would also say we're risk takers. We just dive two feet forward. We sometimes don't figure out all the logistics. We just have enough belief in ourselves that we just go for it. And that is what I really, really respect about you, to be honest, Sean, is that you saw this opportunity. You created the UFE and the UFE is making a massive impact in the lives of so many people. So I really do need to commend you for that and know that you just seeing this vision, even if you didn't know how it was going to actualize and come into fruition, is really making a massive, massive impact. So kudos to you. And I'm just really grateful for what you're doing. I appreciate those uh, kind words. And, and I love uh, I love what you're doing too, putting yourself out there in the industry. And I think you've become um, an awesome voice. And I think you're going to continue to grow your platform and, and uh, you know, inspire more and more people to this kind of lifestyle. So, you know, I thank you for that. Thank you, Sean. Now, we like to end every episode of the podcast in the exactly same way. And that is, how would you like to be remembered? Wow. Um, I'd like to be remembered as as somebody who who cared, um, you know, about people, um, you know, my friends, my family. Um, you know, I'd like to be remembered as somebody who cared for a cause. Um, like you said, somebody who, who wasn't afraid to take risks and tried very hard. Um, yeah, I'd just like to leave leave some sort of legacy behind. Um, and, I, and I hope it's most of all uh, a positive one. Mm-hmm. That's another trait of a Sagittarius. We're motivated by legacy. So that's very interesting. <laughs> Today was a fantastic <laughs> conversation, Sean. And uh, we will catch you, I'm sure, across... I don't know, maybe at Mayhem and and definitely at the World Pro Championships in November. And I wish you all of the success with the rest of the uh, wedding prepping process and all the other things that you have going on with your business. And we will catch you next time. Thanks for coming on. Thanks so much, Ange. All right. Take care. There we go, guys. That's a wrap for another episode. Thank you for joining me. As always, I do appreciate you. Now, I do have a couple of announcements. Number one, I'm getting married on Saturday. So here we go. I'm officially getting hitched and I'm super, super excited. It is going to be an absolute blast. I get to marry the love of my life and we're saying I do. So that's number one. Number two, I am currently 10 weeks out from my show. So if you're not following along, I am sharing my journey on social media. Head on over to Instagram and you can send me some love or maybe send me some hate mail, whatever you want to do, but you can follow along and get my whole contest prep journey as I prepare to make my pro debut on there. Until next time, hope you guys have a fabulous week and stay sexy. Bye for now. Guys, I'm on a really big mission here and I 
want to transform 1 million lives, but I need your help. I can't do it alone. I want you to take this episode, share it with just one person. Maybe it's a friend or a family member or maybe a coworker, just one person who could really benefit from the information in this week's episode or perhaps a previous episode. That is how we create impact. That is how we get this movement going. That's how we take people from feeling tired and just not having a fulfilled life and we put them into fulfilling their full potential. So I challenge you guys to share this with just one person. It would mean the world to me. And as always, head on over to iTunes, subscribe so that you never miss an episode. They come out every single Thursday. That is my commitment to all of you guys so that you guys can continually grow, expand, and fulfill your full potential. Have a great week. We'll catch you next time. Lots of love. Ange.